You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Kremenjas. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at Locked On Rams, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL, and it's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl On Location to get more information. Now, we will dive into this episode here of Locked On Rams, discussing everything that happened for the Rams here in Week 13 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And as I mentioned in the intro, they really changed up their offense from every kind of perspective that you can imagine, from personnel to schematics to really everything. I mean, they really, really changed and tweaked their offense, which is what we were all kind of hoping for. So we're going to dive into that in just a second here. And then we'll also dive into the rest of the team, the defense, the O-line, how everyone performed based on the PFF numbers. So to begin, we can first look at really how they changed this offense going into this contest. And I grabbed a lot of their numbers, at least in terms of how they wanted to go about attacking defenses from weeks one through 12. So about 90 to 95% of the season. And then week 13, which was kind of in its own little area there against the Jaguars. So of course, they changed a lot. I mean, you look at 11 personnel weeks one through 12, they ran 11 personnel 88% of the time. That is the most in the NFL this past week, still a lot, 71.2% of the time, but that dropped to seventh in the NFL. So a little bit of a tweak and a little bit of a pulling back of 11 personnel, which I agreed with, and which is pretty much what we all wanted to see. Then you look at the remaining numbers, 12 personnel. They ran it 29th most often for weeks one through 12. This past week, eighth most in the NFL, 24.2% of their plays were in 12P compared to only 11.2% for the majority of the season. So as we all kind of mentioned, yeah, they lost Johnny Munt early in the season tight end. And it kind of threw, I think, a little bit of a branch in terms of their plans, not really being able to be as multiple on offense. I think they really felt that loss from Munt because this was a guy who was really reliable, not only as a blocker, but even when he kind of leaked out in some of those passing concepts, he would catch passes here and there, make a few plays in the passing game. And he was just a really reliable and consistent player. And right now the Rams are still kind of searching for who that next tight end is. But in this game, you've seen a lot of Kendall Blanton. You've seen a little bit of Bryson Hopkins as well. The Rams are intent on trying to find somebody that they could change these personnel packages with. And I really appreciated seeing that. You look at 13 personnel, which means one running back and three tight ends. And I should have probably explained 11 personnel means one running back, one tight end, the rest receivers, of course. 12 personnel means one running back and two tight ends. 13 personnel, one running back and three tight ends. 13P, they did not run a single play in 13 personnel from weeks one through 12. This past week, they did it twice, which was the ninth most in the NFL. You're never really going to see you know, a ton of that. But at the end of the day, they were really interested in moving guys off the line of scrimmage, at least for the Jaguars there, trying to create some holes in the running game, trying to stay ahead of schedule in the down and distances and trying to be manageable in terms of those down and distances. When it's third and three, it's a lot easier to convert than when it's third and nine. And we've seen the Rams in a lot of third down and long situations over the past few weeks, especially in those games where they really struggled in the past few weeks. But this game, they really did a good job at staying in manageable down and distances. And it really allowed them 
to be multiple, right? Third and two, you can run the ball or you can pass. But if you're in third and seven, you're going to have a lot harder of a time converting when you run. And so defenses sort of can adjust, right? They know you're probably going to drop back to pass the ball. So defensive linemen don't really have to play the run. They can pin their ears back, as they say, and go after the quarterback. It really changes everything schematically. Now, one of the things here that I really found interesting was the amount of times the Rams had six or more offensive linemen on the field. And we've talked about this. I can't remember when, maybe a few weeks ago, but the Rams never did this before. I mean, they had one play with six or more offensive linemen from weeks one to 12, which was 29th in the NFL, not high at all. This past week, they ran it a ton. I mean, 16 plays with six or more offensive linemen on the field. That was first in the NFL. And I mean, I don't know how the Rams are going to go about changing this moving forward. Obviously, they're not going to do it 16 times every single week, but it was great to see. I mean, they really made an effort to get bigger, beefier up front. We call it the jumbo package where you have nine guys across the line of scrimmage, essentially all bunched up there together and only one receiver flexed out on his own or even certain times where they would flex or motion Cooper Cup back into the formation too. And it would be 10 guys essentially on the line of scrimmage with the quarterback there and only a running back off that line of scrimmage for the most part, which again, is crazy. You're never really going to see that. That's not what an offense looks like in the NFL, especially not in 2021. But the Rams knew that, you know, if they can sort of just adjust and throw a few more wrinkles in terms of their offensive game planning, make the Jaguars start to defend different packages, get different personnel out there for the defense, not just for your offense, they were probably going to have a shot to win this game. And it worked. They were really good at running the football. The last two things that you want to look at here, empty formations from weeks one through 12. Nobody ran it more than the NFL. We were all tired of seeing it. 146 plays they had with an empty formation, which means nobody in the backfield with Matthew Stafford, everybody out wide, basically five wide, trying to run some sort of passing routes and whatnot. The Rams this week only did it twice, which was 23rd in the NFL. Love that. I absolutely love that. I think that was a huge piece to not only just letting Stafford get comfortable, but now you're probably going under center a little bit more, running a little bit more play action, running the ball a little bit more, which is something that we all begged for for the past three or four weeks even. And then the last thing here, motion, which I thought was maybe a little bit fascinating here and something that I'm going to keep my eye on moving forward. They only ran plays with motion 242 times from weeks one through 12. That was 22nd in the NFL this past week. They did it 35 times or on 35 plays, we'll say that was the seventh most in the NFL. So that's the kind of stuff that helps you win in the NFL. When you start to run a little bit of misdirection and you get defenders to even take one false step to the left or to the right or forward or backward, whatever the case is, you can oftentimes win in that way. And I'm going to discuss how in just a second here, for those that don't follow me on Twitter, you probably didn't get to see it, but I shared a play where Matthew Stafford had a no look pass and he did a really, really good job moving an underneath zone defender, which entirely opened up where he wanted to go with the ball. Of course, you guys can follow me on Twitter. If you want to see some of that stuff at QB's MEP at locked on Rams and on YouTube at locked on Rams. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. And with all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out, and you can get a free Samsung 
Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save, Boost Mobile. Free phone is limited to new customers and only one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offer and coverages are not available everywhere for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for the details. And as I mentioned to begin this episode, On Location has an incredible deal. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away. And On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. I mean, let's talk about it here. Super Bowl tickets, that is crazy, especially if the Rams can get there. I know a lot of you guys are California-based, so that would be super, super dope. You can even select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Shout out to a fellow German. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56. Or search Super Bowl on location. Thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at Locked On Rams. Now we'll pick up with where we left off. And the number one thing I wanted to talk about here, Matthew Stafford had a really solid game. There were still a couple of passes, yes, that he missed. And still maybe doesn't feel 1,000% comfortable like he did in some of those earlier games. But that one play that I was mentioning, how you can move and manipulate defenders. Well, a lot of times these no-look passes that we see from quarterbacks, usually just for show, right? They want to show off the arm talent. They want to look cool while they do it. Sort of like, you know, when you see an NBA player kind of jack up a three and they start running away as if they know they're going to score already. It kind of looks swaggy. We all like to see it. It's kind of cocky, but it's dope to see. I mean, it's really, really cool. Now, this instance was a little bit different and it was the pass. I think it was on third and 10 to rookie wide receiver Ben Skoranek. Basically, he ran a dig route, which is as simple as it gets really when it comes to the NFL. But there was an underneath defender between Stafford where he was throwing it and where Skoranek was coming out of his break. But what Stafford was able to do being the veteran that he is and having the arm talent and all that good stuff, he steps up into the pocket, looks off to the right and gets that underneath zone defender. I believe it was Caleb on chase on to take one false step to the right. And that entirely opened up the pocket behind where Stafford was going to put the ball to Skoranek. And he steps up, throws a great pass. Skoranek drops the ball, which was really frustrating and unfortunate because he killed the drive where the Rams were driving. It was a third down pass. And he got both hands on the ball. I mean, you got to catch that. But nevertheless, it was an awesome play. And some of that is really making me start to feel like Stafford is once again getting into that groove where he's playing loose, he's playing fast. And it was awesome to see. I mean, no turnovers. We know he played a good football game, but those were really the small, finite details that made me feel good about what we saw from this guy. Now, we kind of talked about how the Rams had six-plus offensive linemen out there for a lot of these snaps. We got to give these guys a shout-out. Yes, they were road graders. Yes, they moved guys off the line of scrimmage for the running game, but they were just so dominant in pass pro. They gave up only two pressures on the day. David Edwards won. Rob Havenstein won. And then running back Sony Michelle gives up a pressure on his own and the sack, which was the lone sack in the contest. Every single one of these guys graded out tremendously. Also shout out to Coleman Shelton for being prepared because we know Brian Allen was lost early into that game. I think it was maybe after the first or second play where he injures his right ankle. Coleman Shelton comes out there, doesn't concede a single pressure, no sacks, no nothing. I've watched the tape for the offense a couple of times now. I went back to watch a lot of these plays. I mean, every single one of these plays. And he looked awesome. I mean, he looked really, really comfortable. Great communication up front. Did a really good job passing off stunts, everything like that. I mean, he was really, really good. And that's good to see for the Rams to know that, well, you have some depth up front just in case somebody does get hurt. 
We know it's the NFL. Obviously, somebody is going to get hurt. But right now, it seems like they should be okay in terms of the health on the offensive side of the ball, at least. And otherwise, I mean, the offense played a really good game. There was really nothing else that I feel like needed to be highlighted. We know that everyone played well. Maybe the only thing that we could discuss further is the running back situation. I mean, Sony Michelle played a really good game in this one, forced five missed tackles in this contest. He already has as many missed tackles forced on the season as Henderson does, and on nearly 40 less touches, which is obviously a good thing. Average five yards per carry in this game, that's good. And had 3.3 yards after contact per rushing attempt. So again, I watch the tape, I see the numbers according to PFF, and everything is aligning. I think this guy's the best running back on the roster right now. He's running hard, he's pushing the pocket, he's decisive with where he wants to go with his holes and with his runs, and he does a really good job at being small and nimble in the sense that, you know, there's certain plays where you get the ball and one little hop step to the right or one little hesitation step to a side sometimes opens up the gap that you're kind of waiting for. And that is the little stuff that I'm seeing on tape right now. I get a lot of messages and this is really frustrating. DMs, texts, doesn't even matter. YouTube comments, people are saying, oh, you're biased, you're this, you're that. Listen, guys, I have no bias here. I do not care which player is out on the field. I really don't. I'm not related to Daryl Henderson. I'm not related to Sony Michelle. And I know some of you might not believe it, but I don't get any money from either player getting the football more, okay? So the only thing I want to see is the best players on the field because I want to see the Rams lift a Lombardi trophy. Like, the only thing that matters to me is winning football games. And right now, and for the last few weeks, which is why I've said it, I think Sony Michelle gives them the better chance to do that. He's much better at creating at the second level, creating at the first level, even breaking through tackles, working through some of that rummage and scrubble there that you're going to get inside those inside runs on the three, four, five yard gains. You see it on the tape. He came up many times. I shared it all on my Twitter. It's all there for you guys to see. He's getting contacted and still grinding out five, six, seven, eight yards and turning a second and 10 run into a third and one. Those are the areas where Sony Michelle is winning and why I think he should be out there. Again, I have no vested interest or bias in any single player on the roster. Nobody is related to me. Nobody's playing time affects any of my money, unfortunately. And at the end of the day, nobody's friends with me on that roster. Like I want to see football games won. And I'm going to share my opinion based on who I think gives the Rams the best chance to win football games. Right now, like I mentioned, I think it's Sony Michelle. And at the end of the day, some people might disagree. Earlier this season, I thought it was Daryl Henderson. I wasn't a huge fan of Sony Michelle coming out of Georgia. I thought he was significantly worse than Nick Chubb. No way worthy of a first round pick. And I wasn't exactly huge on the trade either. So that should tell you if I'm willing to kind of, you know, change my stance on where it's at, that should really tell you that I think that Henderson is just not playing up to par right now. This is a guy that I really thought was elusive for the past two years, but hasn't been this season. So we've had a lot of those discussions in the comments, in my Twitter, DMs, messages here, there. That's where I'm at with it. I think Sony Michelle is the better player right now. I think you got to keep going with him. If Henderson comes out next week or in two weeks or four weeks and looks better, then it might be time to switch back. I mean, at the end of the day, I have no bias towards any player. Just win football games. Does not matter to me how you do it. There is no style points for how you do it either. And at the end of the day, none of them are related to me. Whoever is going to give you the best chance to stay ahead of schedule, create big runs, create yardage, and stay in manageable down and distances, that is the player that needs to be out there. And I think the majority of us do agree right now 
that Michelle is that guy. I mean, a lot of people have said, yeah, yeah, Daryl Henderson's averaging 4.6 yards per carry. And, you know, Sony Michelle is at 4.1 or whatever the case was, 3.9 before this week. And I hear you. And that's absolutely true. And that's great, right? You want to see a high yards per carry number. But those kind of numbers can change based on down and distances. If it's a third and 20, are you impressed by a 10-yard run? I'm not. You're obviously punting the ball away in that instance. But at the same time, you just bumped your yards per carry average up because the defense happily let you run for 10 yards. You see what I'm saying? There's no context implied there. The only comparison we can make is missed tackles forced per attempt. So how many missed tackles are you forcing? Right now, Sony Michelle at 0.17 on the season. Daryl Henderson, 0.13. And yards after contact per attempt. I don't care how many yards you're getting before contact. That just means the offensive line is opening up more holes for you or more yardage before you're even touched. Anybody can gain those yards. And the guys that are creating after contact, those are the guys that are actually doing something above the expectation. Daryl Henderson averaging 2.5 rushing yards after contact per attempt, 2.8 for Michelle. So again, he's more productive after being made contact with. And that is the guy that I think is better. My eyes tell me the story. The tape tells me that story. And the numbers also happen to check out as well. So when you combine all three, that is why I think he is the guy that needs to keep playing in this backfield. In just a second here, we're going to dive into the remaining aspects in terms of how this defense played, the pass rush, the coverage players. And tomorrow, make sure to tune back in at Locked on Rams here. We're going to have former host Brad Motter break down this game with me. And then we can flip the page, looking ahead to the biggest game of the season remaining for the Rams. It is the Arizona Cardinals Monday Night Football Week 14. But before we get there, in life, we're all bound for different things with Beachbound.com Vacations. You can be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness, bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation. Or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. You guys know when I'm on a beach vacation, it's feet up. Drink in hand, cigar in the other, enjoying it as much as possible. Love the warm weather, love the sun, soaking it all up. That is the best way, in my opinion, to enjoy a vacation. And with beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. Thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen at Lockdown Rams. If you need betting help or you just want to hear what's going on around the NFL, Make Locked On Bets your second listen every single day. They are your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And now we can pick up here with where we left off, the defensive side of the ball. These guys played great. They gave up seven points. At the end of the day, you got to give it up to them. I know it's the Jaguars. I know the offense of the Jaguars is not really a great barometer to see how a defense is playing. But in general, you can only play who's on the field with you. And they took care of business. They all made us kind of feel better about this one, I think. And it really began up front. I mean, Aaron Donald, Greg Gaines, these two guys were very active, led the way with pressures. Aaron Donald was seven in this game. Four for Greg Gaines, who I mentioned yesterday, playing outstanding football. I mean, they are so good together. And that was maybe not even their biggest achievement. I mean, in terms of the run defense, these guys were so good on all levels, especially up front. Those guys... Ashawn Robinson, Gaines, like we mentioned, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Vaughn Miller, all of these guys, Obo Okoronkwo, these guys continue to play well. Ernest Jones, Troy Reader, it doesn't even matter who they put out there. Marquise Copeland, any one of these guys, they've all played really, really well against the run. And I got to give them a quick shout out for that because at the end of the day, you have to stop the run first. Otherwise, you're not going to get the chance to rush the passer. And so, you know, at the end of the day, they really, really did a good job not just in this game, but in the last few weeks, I thought the run defense has really taken a step forward. 
And that's great news, especially when a player of Sebastian Joseph Day's caliber goes down. You would expect the run defense to probably fall off a little bit because we've even mentioned it earlier this year. Bash, as we call him, or SJD, he's probably the best run stuffing nose tackle in football right now. Like that is a big loss, regardless of who you have behind him. And yet the Rams have found a really, really good replacement in Greg Gaines. And then, of course, they've invested in guys like Ashawn Robinson and some of these other players that continue to step up. Like they have not really lost much right now, which is so good because if they can get SJD back at some point later this season, they are going to get Justin Hollins back in the next week or two. That really starts to become a deep unit up front to where you can rotate these guys every other series and you're going to get fresh players pretty much the entire game. And as we know, when you get into the playoffs, teams are going to try to run the football down your throat. They're going to try to pass the ball. And if you have a stable of rushers that can go against passers in passing downs, or if you got guys that can rotate and stop the run and be fresh all game, that is an invaluable advantage for the Rams. So we're going to look at really where they are in a few weeks and if they can get a deeper unit based on SJD coming back. But the last area here to look out for is the secondary or the coverage units. I guess includes the linebackers as well. Ernest Jones. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. He is playing great football right now. He was targeted seven times in this game. Gave up two receptions for 13 yards. I mean, that is a fantastic contest. He was graded out as an elite coverage defender by PFF. And he nearly got an interception. He got his hands on one football. Was really, really close to getting a second hand on there. Uh, Could have been a pick. Maybe even a bit more. But... This dude is playing great, great football right now. I mean, you have to give it up to him. He's a rookie who looks like he's developing week after week. He's getting more comfortable, starting to get a few more reps on defense, which is obviously really good to see. But in general, I didn't think anyone played all that bad. I mean, the one player that maybe had a bit of an up and down contest was Dante Dion, gave up four receptions on four targets for 47 yards. All of those were the most for the Rams. So, I mean, if you're only giving up 47 yards, your worst defender that's not really a big deal. Gives up three first downs again, which is why he struggled a little bit, but in general has been a really solid player for the Rams this season. Taylor Rapp gives up 37 yards. That's not much. Jalen Ramsey, only 12 yards on one reception. Darius Williams, 14 yards on two receptions. So your cornerback duo is playing great football right now. I know a lot of people keep bragging on Darius Williams, but he gave up 14 yards. I mean, what more do you want from the guy? That is absurd. Right now, he's giving up fewer yards per coverage snap than Jalen Ramsey. And no, I'm not telling you he's better than Jalen Ramsey, but what I am telling you is this guy is playing solid football right now. It feels like every time he gives up a catch, someone is DMing me, texting me, adding me somewhere, telling me he sucks like he's related to me. He's not related to me either, okay? He's playing fine. Yes, he doesn't have the interceptions like he did last year. I understand those are those game-changing plays that we all love to see, but he's still playing solid, at least in coverage. I mean, the guy first job is to play good coverage and he's done that 14 yards in a game. You can't ask for more Jalen Ramsey giving up 12 in a game. That's identical really at the end of the day. And outside of that, it was really just X's across the board. It was washed out. They didn't give up much 14 yards from Jordan Fuller, nine yards from Terrell Burgess, just a tremendous contest. You really cannot ask for more. I thought all in all that defense played great. Of course, again, it is the Jaguars. We'll see how they do this week against the Cardinals. It feels like, you know, that's one end of the spectrum where the Jags are and totally on the other end is where the Cardinals are. One of the best offenses, if not the best in football, they're going to have their hands full. I mean, Kyler Murray is a guy that he can make some special plays in the pocket. He's even better outside of the pocket. He's faster than everyone on the field, it feels like. 
And that's where we're going to start to see now is Vaughn Miller, you know, worth the trade that the Rams sent is Aaron Donald still capable of getting back there consistently. The Rams need these guys in the worst way. This is a game where the pass rush needs to help the secondary because we've seen Kyler Murray absolutely tear up defenses that can't get to him. The more time you give him and the more plays you let him make out of structure where he can leave the pocket and hold the ball and kind of run around back there, play backyard football, as they call it. Those are where the biggest plays come from. And I still feel like the Rams in that first game, they were really close, a lot closer than the score indicated, in my opinion. Now, they didn't deserve to win, and that's why they didn't. But I don't think this is going to be some crazy blowout. It's really going to come down to execution. How much can they affect that pocket? How much can they get Kyler Murray moving to different locations and condensing the field when he starts to leave the pocket? And always the coverage. I mean, the coverage is paramount. You need to cover DeAndre Hopkins. You need to cover, you know, Christian Kirk, AJ Green, all these different guys. Zach Ertz now who they added since and James Conner, who's been playing outstanding. And it sounds like even Chase Edmonds will be back for this game. Who's their running back one before Connor took over. And that's only going to make things even a bit harder for the Rams. But in general, we're going to dive into that game tomorrow. My man, Brad Motter is going to join me. We're going to discuss everything we need to know about that game. And then going into Thursday, the crossover Thursday episode with locked on Cardinals host, Bo Brock, Alex Clancy. We already had one this year. They got the better of us. I mean, we'll see if the Rams can change that in terms of this game. I thought the Rams played a clean, great game. We saw everything we wanted to see from personnel changes, schematic changes, a willingness to actually run the football. And I don't think this is the new norm for the offense. This is not what they're going to do every single game for the rest of the year. But as I mentioned yesterday, this is good enough to make defenses have to prepare for something else and something different. And that in its own right should help even when they go back to more 11 personnel, more empty and more throwing the ball downfield. You can now sort of mix and match every drive or every other play. You don't have to do the same thing over and over and over again. And not just that, but if things are not working in a game, you can adjust again. You don't have to just keep trying the same thing and just not have it work all game. Now you can actually, you know, adjust and go under center and start to bring in 13 personnel or six offensive linemen and start to try and grind it out that way. This is good news for the Rams. It's bad news for opposing defensive coordinators. They only have more to prepare for now. And I think it's going to be a really big positive for the entire offense moving forward throughout the rest of this season. It's going to do it for this episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. Thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen and for checking out this episode. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow when former host Brad Motter joins me to discuss our finishing touches on this game and then the biggest game left in this season, potentially the one that's going to decide the NFC West. Just a reminder, you guys can come connect with us on Twitter at QBsMEP at Lockdown Rams and on YouTube at Lockdown Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.